This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Besotted Pride of West London Podcast. And this week, after finding ourselves unfortunately not the Pride of West London, well on Saturday anyway, we thought instead of heading into town like we normally do, we actually decided to head back west and reclaim our Pride of West London mantra. So we're here in Ealing in the Wheat Sheaf Pub. And what a fine establishment this is as well, like, you know, I must admit, there's one thing I do like is backstreet pubs. Pubs right in the middle of the houses where somebody will pop out next door, two doors down the road, and they'll find a pub right in the middle of nowhere. And this is wood panelled, lovely little boozer. I must say, I must say you, you, you're quite happy. I saw you sitting here. It's homely, mate. It's, um, it is, a, as you said, it's like a local boozer where we've kind of slinked off back west with our tails between our legs from, from the pocket watch where we were on Saturday. That's right, which was a slightly lovely but slightly more corporate vibe. But this is more of a sort of kind of like, you know, everyone here is local. You can see they're all looking at us as we walked in the door. Like, who the bloody hell's that? Sitting in the corner with his microphone stuck up people's noses, like, you know. But anyway, this is, like I said, the Pride of West London podcast, and we have extinguished that nonsense from Saturday from our memory cells, to a certain extent, anyway. And we're trying to pick the vibe up because Beast fans are not happy after Saturday. I am Billy Grant and I am in the pub here. We have a load of characters here and um, we're all happy aren't we because we've had we've had thoughts which actually pick things up um, from Saturday. Mr Matt Allard, how are you? Yeah I'm not so bad. Um, I've um, I mean cheering me up this week I suppose we've had I've, I've met a few other championship fans of other clubs out who are slitting their wrists as much as we are so that's one good that's one one good bit of news and also the whole city thing um, I don't know if you've seen it the thing about the um, they're getting rid of season tickets and they're bringing in some sort of membership scheme um, where where you know people that go and watch Hull will pay a, a monthly membership which makes them sound like they're turning into sort of Netflix and then and then the only thing that can happen on from there is that you know maybe when you get your next Vodafone contract instead of it being Spotify or Netflix you can get free it's Spotify Netflix or a whole C season ticket 
Indeed, well, listen, at least that's cheered you up, mate. Put the game out of your mind. Listen, we've got a newbie in the house. As we say, we always try to extend the arms out to people. Anybody can come on this podcast. If you want to come on the podcast, just Facebook us, email us. Our email address is on our Twitter ID. Tweet us or anything like that. Everyone is welcome. Doesn't matter what view you have, left, right, up or down. Um, we've got the lovely Ali Malali in the house today. Ali, how are you doing? I'm right actually. I've um, been quite enjoying myself the last 24 hours, remembering that it's two years since Leighton Orient nil, Brentford won, which for me was the best away day ever. Um, and I dug out my promotion season DVD last night. I was quite enjoying that one. So that's rather cheered me up. That's right. You, you got it out last night because obviously you know you wouldn't be watching one this season. But look, that's irrelevant. We celebrated like we won the cup. <laughs> we did indeed. So look, Ali's here to 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 pick us up because she hasn't been on the podcast ever. So. Uh, she, she knows that we kind of sit around and yeah, that's right. we shoot the breeze and uh, you know we've been a bit down the past few weeks to be quite honest with you but she's come here because she's bright and cheery come to pick other than Saturday but we won't talk about that just to come to pick us up Liberal Nick I, I've, I've renamed you Liberal Nick because you're actually kind of shifted slightly more to the to the left again you're you're actually much more liberal than you were a few weeks ago even though you do maintain a few views as you did before Liberal Nick how are you? Yeah I'm, I'm really good I'm, I'm on an absolute high today because I've been downing the, all the sugar drinks that I can before they get taxed out of existence. So I'm on a real high today, really raring to go to, 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 to put my views forward. So I'm on a good one, Bill, thanks. You're looking, you know, I mean, look, you've got the jacket off, you know, you've got the sleeves up, but, you know, it looks like you're really, I mean, you're going to be on the tables, like, you know what I'm saying? I popping out and all sorts soon, mate. <laughs> but anyway, well, it's, it's like he's taken more than a sugar drink after me. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm very liberal. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Okay, he's just trying to prove to us. But anyway, and I've got Mr. Dave Lane. How are you doing, Dave? I'm all right. I wouldn't say I'm laughing, but um, you know, I've, I'm, I'm still slightly wounded from Saturday. I have to admit, I'm not. I'm not. We're not going to brush it under the carpet. But um, Leicester City perked me up a little bit. Leicester City are the new Brentford. They are the. the they are the punching above their weight. Um, good, good, good news football story of this year. Um, they. You mean the team that almost got relegated last sorry, season? I mean, and Leicester. Sorry. I mean, and Leicester, yeah, yeah, not not Leicester. I always got Leicester. relegated last season, but I've just turned it around in a season. Yeah, them. Um, but yeah, they, they, they looked they looked a bit nervy last night. And uh, but and, but going back to to Ali's point about the two years ago since the old uh, Orient win, let's let's go back to a time where we actually had a proper laugh because of that. When Besotted had ten thousand Russell Slade masks made and NFA Cup NFA Cups done. So you know. We, there was a time not so long ago where we were having a laugh and we're going to get back there soon I hope indeed we do and, and for me I think the thing that actually cheered me up this week um, or this weekend and going into this week was actually I tour Karanka and the reason why is that you know we love the Borough fans we think they were great and we, we thought great Borough are going to be gone they're going to be out of our league and I, res- I, I, I assigned myself down to resign myself to going out of the league but then when we had our Borough mate come in the pub on Saturday and he was almost crying said I took Karanka he's walked out the team and they all hate him and they hate him and stuff like that and I just thought this is an interesting moment and then we started singing I talk a ranker because I have to say that there's very few things funnier in life than hearing someone with a really broad Middlesbrough accent trying to say I talk a ranker <laughs> it's, 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 it's really it's a really 
odd, you know, when you've got like, like um, regional dialects when they're trying to trying to tackle like real Spanish names. It's, yeah. you know. Yeah, it's and, and, and I must admit that. And even though the news came, I mean, they lost to Charlton obviously the following day, but the news came that Ayatol has come back and you sort of think, you know, what's that all about? And somebody just said to him, look, come on Ayatol, just finish the job. Probably maybe quite similar to the, the Mark Warburton situation last year where Mark came in to finish the job till the end of the season. But, you know, maybe things are still broken underneath the seal. But for me, I was probably the only Brentford fan is delighted because I'm the only Brentford fan that wants to go back to Middlesbrough last next season because I believe we will actually beat them because we've got to beat them at one time. I, I, I'm looking forward to going back to Middlesbrough. It's got some great pubs too. As long as it's not the same hotel that you booked last year, Bill, I'll be back. Okay, well, I'll, I'll give you that one, Nick. So anyway, so listen. Anyway, let's let's go back to last Saturday if we really have to. Look, we had a terrible day. I mean, we had a good day before and in the pub a good day in the pub afterwards but the 90 minutes was absolutely horrendous they're talking about so all sorts of the false nine and all these things that I've never heard about all I know is the fact that the team did not perform on the day but listen instead of us talking about it now let's go back to hear what the fans had to say in the pub both QPR and Brentford fans watched that game they gave us their thoughts they're proper down they, they, there was no holes barred back their thoughts let's hear what they had to say in the pub after the game we lack quality today, but we have shown in the odd game here and there that we have got a bit of quality. We can actually win games. Um, we only need to pick up two more wins. Uh, two more wins this season. We'll stay up. Um, there's no doubt we are in a bit of a relegation fight. But, you know, we've got players like Alan McCormack who are just not going to let the team slip and slide into relegation. So, and Harley Dean, I think he's another leader on the pitch. So, I think we'll be all right. It's just really, really frustrating, really disappointed. But I think two more wins, I think we'll get it. Yeah, listen, it was a good result, but I felt Brentford made it easy for us. You never played striker up top. You made it easy. As soon as you went 1-0 down, you played in, you dug in. As soon as that 1-0 went up, you're in trouble. Massive trouble. If I'm honest, and I, I tried not to because my mate was here, but you're one of the worst sides I've seen down here. Because... You play with no striker, as soon as you go 1-0 down, you're in massive trouble. You make it easy for the home side. Not just QPR, any home side you play. Well, that was obviously the, the manager's idea of trying to flood the midfield or whatever, but that's not Brentford. We said before, and we sat in here before the game, and we'd sooner see three forwards up front and lose 4-0. We had no forwards up front and lost 3-0. There's no ambition at the moment. At the moment, we're just a frightened side. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of get what he was trying to do. He's had ineffective centre-forwards. Um, so um, why, you know, why not try something a little bit different and try and get a bit more movement up front by playing... Um, I mean, look like with Judge alternating with Canos through the middle. So I kind of could understand what he's doing. Um, I, think in, I, I also think he maybe quite cleverly... Um, will deflect some of the criticism. I don't know if it's clever, but I think he'll deflect some of the criticism from the players because ultimately uh, most of the criticism will be thrown at Smith. So, you know, it, it, ultimately it didn't work, though, and that was the biggest problem. Um, we don't look like we're going to come back from um, letting the first goal in. 
against Wolves, which is our only up moment in the last couple of months, we scored first, and the play and the, you know you can see the confidence go through the team. Unfortunately, when we let a goal in, you see exactly the opposite. Um, players like looking at each other. Um, you know, I, you, you just see the heads go down, and I think that's maybe where um, I'm looking for more from Smith is is to find a way of um, you know stop st- stopping that from happen because. I'm not seeing players playing with any smile on their face. They don't look like they're enjoying it at the moment. And, um, you know, as I've said continually all season, um, we ain't going to battle our way out of this. We're going to have to play our way out of it. And um, we're not going to play our way out of it playing the way we are at the moment. The worry is that for all the midfield position we have, and I thought we'd, I thought we'd done all right first half. I thought we responded a little bit. We never really look like school. We never create any chances. Judge up front. Like, it's a tail wagging the dog. Why judge up front? Was that Dean Smith's idea? Was that Adam Judge's idea? Who knows? So there you have it. A fairly brutal assessment of Brentford's performance. Um, more brutal, I think, because it was QPR. Um, and also, not only on the podcast on Saturday, but also on the video. If you check the, uh, the Besotted video this week, besotted.co.uk, fans did not pay no mind. They said exactly what they what they thought at the time, including Miss Ali Malali there as well, who talked about crying and all sorts of stuff and Division 2 football. But listen, you know, she... she yeah. <laughs> So yeah, we did see her almost cry on the telly, but luckily we actually, you know, we ran out of battery at that time, so it didn't quite happen. But look, listen, brutal assessment of of what happened, interesting, but look, first of all, we need to hand ourselves over to our absolute tactical genius, the Matt Allard, because he's going to actually break this down about the false nine, or is it a false nine, Matt? Um, I don't... To be honest, people say we played 4-6-0 on Saturday. Um, that's, you know, that is wrong. Basically, as far as I could make out, and I was actually only three rows up behind a goal, so I couldn't really see a lot. But as far as I can make out, Judge played in exactly the same way Vibe plays when he plays up front. So we played Judge up front, not we didn't play with a striker. We didn't play with a player who is recognised as a striker, yes, but Judge played the, the you know, the forward role, um, and it wasn't, you know, in the, in the, in the, in the, from how I would really see a false nine. He was the one that was supposed to be playing through the middle. Maybe Judge had other ideas at times. Canos switched with him a couple of times, um, but yeah, it wasn't a case that we went into the game playing four six zero, which I've read everywhere. But that no. I mean, the, the fact is that you know Dean Smith defended as he would do this is the manager defended his team selection from our point of view this just did not happen did it Ali? No it didn't because I think if you I I must admit I saw the team on the way there and I saw that we had no recognised inverted common strikers and I thought that Canos was probably going to play up front and I was really surprised when the team came out with with Judge judge up front because I just think it completely nullified his threat because he was up against two massive centre halves so any cross that came in he was never going to get and he wasn't creating for the midfield and it was just it just seemed like a very strange decision to me. 
And the other thing you've got to take into account is that because McCormack came back in as a holding player, um, that player had to come from somewhere. And ultimately, that player came from the position that Judge normally plays in, which is in a free role behind a front man. That's the role that we dispensed with um, to get McCormack back in the team. I think Matt and Ali have been very kind. I don't think Smith had a clue what he was doing on Saturday with the team that, that turned out. Uh, I thought it was quite interesting at the very end of the game, uh, while I was waiting to leave the stadium, I, I, I left slightly before some, some other pe- I left slightly after some other people. Alan Judge standing by the dugouts having a fairly long conversation with various members of the Brentford coaching staff, including, I think, Dean Smith, um, shaking his head and taking in a lot of water. Um, what that lineup was on Saturday, who knows? And I don't know why they turned, why Dean Smith chose to play that in what was our most important game. What I think really disappointed me was that he'd spoken before about how the players and himself had recognised the importance of this game to the Brentford fans. And I suggest to you, he sent out a team on Saturday that actually was guaranteed to almost lose that game. Um, I, what I will say is that I've, I'm not defending Smith. I'm just saying that that is what he's, how I see he set the team out to play. So I actually think there was a plan, um, but it was a flawed plan. It didn't work. I, I just don't think it was the game to experiment like that. You know, I, I, I think you're, you're making yourself susceptible for the players that may be starting to doubt him to look at it and think, what's, go, what's going on here? You know, we're, we haven't, this, the, the selection wasn't born on any kind of proven success beforehand. So you're, basi- you're basically kind of you're basically trying to trying to pull something out of the bag something unexpected something random and I, I, I don't think that the QPR game was, was the game to do that you know I've, you know, playing Hoffman up front playing Jurisin up front you know you, we're going back to the if you, if you flip it to the QPR game at home where we did play really really well I mean QPR did have a couple of chances where they could have gone ahead we weathered that storm we played really well the, the, the squad that we've got now is similar what we wanted was a team that played with that same passion and belief and desire and in the second half in particular we just didn't get that there is a there is a school of thought and I'm not necessarily surprised at this that Dean Smith was making a point that he needed a striker to come in on loan because if you look at the the strikers he's got Jurikin's a number 10 Vibay has probably been more effective as a winger so Hoff is actually probably the only out-and-out striker we've got, and yet we keep playing one up top. Is that interesting? Is it, so is that the equivalent of the Mariners, Dykehausen, six players on the bench theory? Remember at Borough, he only played six players on the bench because he was just making out that, you know... Possibly, but it probably wasn't the game to make that point, was it? Well, no, I don't think it is. I don't think it. I don't think that point's worth worth making at all in, in his situation. Because okay, in, in the interview which we will talk about with Matthew Benham later on, Matthew Benham gave him his support. But you know, there there is a growing amount of fans who are showing dis, disquiet about Dean Smith. And for him, if I'm not saying that that's what he's done. If he were to do that, I think it's a very very slippery slope. I thought it was really interesting and people will know who are regular listeners to this podcast is that I'm not Hardy Dean's great greatest fan but I think uh, 
Harley's reaction on Saturday to the game was quite telling is that he was embarrassed and almost in tears when he came up at the end of the uh, end of the game to, to say thank you to the fans for, for, for supporting him um, I mean Dave going back to your earlier point Hoffman of course was injured so you know that, that, that we can't, can't blame Dean, for, Dean Smith for not picking on it but there didn't seem to be any passion in the players and I, I think a Ferguson or a Wenger, you know, would have got those players up for the game. They would have made them realise what it was about Rangers. And I think, you know, Harley Dean realised that and a few few of the others, but, but Dean seemed to suck the life out of them. First first half an hour, I thought, you know, I thought we were yeah. I thought we were okay, but I still don't think there's a belief there that they thought they were ever gonna score. You know, I, we, we weren't close and we matched Rangers, but you know, it, it just wasn't it wasn't dangerous enough. There's no real quality there. I mean, there was a, there was a there was a theory from the QBR fans that we spoke to on the post-match podcast as well that we actually went to the game negative and went there to try and take a point, which which, which you know it may be right, which may not be right. But I mean, I don't know. What do you think? You're not you're nodding your head there, Matt. You don't think that's? No, I'm shaking it. I don't I don't think we sat out. I think there's a way you do that, and that you play like you know rows of four, and you and you basically stop the other team playing. And we didn't set out to do that. We just weren't as good as QPR. Um, we didn't match up for them at any part on the on the um, on the park. And um, and at the moment, what we really what you know one of the things we're really missing. I don't think we're missing a goal scorer, but we're missing somebody that can run the front line on their own because we've been playing with one man up front very successfully for a, a good couple of years since Rosler left and since Warburton put that in place. Um, but we but at the moment none of the players are fitting into that space and, and doing it. We, well, we just don't have the players to, to play uh, one up top at the moment. We just don't. I, mean, I think Dean Smith is trying to play a system that worked for Warburton last season because we had Andre Gray, whereas probably with the players we've got, we should be playing 4 4 2. You've got to make the most of the players you've got. I, yeah, j- just to clarify what I was saying earlier, by the way, it, it was Dean Smith I was referring to as not managing to motivate motiv- motiv- players. But again, I come back to what was the system. I simply do not understand what the system was on Saturday. I mean, I think, again, I mean, going around the table here, I mean, this is a few days later, and there's obviously a lot of confusion about Brentford, about the way that we were playing, the players and stuff like that. We're, gonna, we're, we're probably going to come on to a little bit more of the recruitment and talk about Dean Smith because we're going to go back to last week in a bit and just talk about sort of the revelations that came out about this Matt Benham interview that we did. We're not going to delve into it loads, but, you know, we've had time to think about it. A lot of people have also had time to discuss it as well, and we think there's a lot of issues that have come out of this whole, this whole thing here. We want to clarify some things from our end, and also we just want to discuss some things around our end about Brentford, Brentford now, Brentford in the past, and Brentford the future. So, yes... We put that behind us, and we're going to talk about, you know, again, coming back to the season, we're going to talk about the, the interview that we had last week, and like I said to you, there's lots and lots of points coming around it, but <laughs> in the commercial break here again, we kind of broke away, and we ended up sort of talking about the director of football, which was something that we had discussed last week, we discussed with Matt Benham, but we discussed amongst ourselves, and quite a few interesting conversations coming on here. I mean, I know Ali Malali, who is one of our newbies here today, but it's really great to get a fresh point of view here. Ali, I mean, your views, director of football, what you I, I thought last week it was very interesting that uh, Venom and Phil Giles both came out and did interviews when 
at a time when all the fans were asking what's going on, we, we need to know, we need to clear from the club. And Rasmus Hankerson was his silence was deafening. You know, while everybody else is is giving interviews, he's blocking everybody on Twitter. I mean I, I I'm one of the people who's blocked on Twitter and I can only assume it's because I basically said seventy one quid to watch a game of football is too much money. And I was actually embarrassed listening to him trying to defend that. I just don't think his focus is hundred percent on Brentford, it obviously isn't. I think it should be. I think we should have a direct support hundred percent focused on our club. I think he sees FC Midland and I can understand why as his primary focus is Brentford as his secondary focus and I think our club suffers because of that. If I understand the director of football's role um, correctly, um, and I, I do stand to be corrected on this, actually, while the season is on, they are not necessarily going to be focusing 100% on Brentford because they'll be focusing on watching other teams and watching other players from around Europe, from indeed from around the world, hopefully, who may then come in during the transfer windows that exist. Um, I think that uh, I think that Rasmus. And Phil Giles, their their job is to is to come forward with the talent. Now we could debate all night whether they found the right players or not. But I'm not worried about the distraction that that that, that uh, Michelin might have prevented uh, for Rasmus, and I'm not worried about you know Phil Giles necessarily being one step removed on this. I think um, going back to Ali's initial point about um, two interviews coming out last week with Phil Giles and Matthew Benham, um, and um, Rasmus being being sort of silent. Well, probably no one's asked him for an interview last week because um, you know, we, you know, we, we asked Matt for an interview last week, and no, he didn't. We asked him about eight months well, ago. Yeah, no, yeah, but you know, yeah, it, 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 it happened last week. You know, we've been we've been asking him for ages and ages and ages, but it, it happened last week. And um, Greville asked Phil for an interview, and we, he, you know, we had a we had a Phil Giles interview um, about two months ago. So you know, if you ask people um, for interviews, they they normally give them. Um, maybe maybe we ought to ask Rasmus um, but they're, they're, I think Brentford fans have got a slight problem with direct, the directors of football role I think it probably needs to be better explained um, exactly what the remit is with this because you know I remember Mark Warburton getting dogs abuse when he was director of football people people having a go at him he, he was another one that was robbing a living out of Brentford Football Club and, and, and you know allegedly and you know um, um, then all of a sudden, you know, it, it got to, it got to the stage where he had to start explaining himself, and he took he took a you know a, a column in in the program where he, he had to um, you know every home game he explained what he'd been doing for the last two weeks. And to be fair as well, Mark Warburton, ironically, when he got the job as manager and he's given the job as manager, some people who claim that he is the, the chosen one now, there's quotes of them going down, and it's, it's there in writing where he was actually called a clown. So people are saying, oh my God, we've actually employed that clown. Mark Warburton as manager. So what I'm saying is that you, you've got to sort of kind of little, be a little bit more balanced about how you look at things. Now, this is not saying anything. Was the thing about Rasmus is interesting. In the Mark Warburton, we're going to come back and say this about the, the Benham interview last week. We actually asked the question about Phil Giles and Rasmus because 
we, as much as we do know about the club and we do hear a lot of things, we're still a lot of things that we need to clarify. And we did say, look, you know, what about Phil Giles and those, what the splitting roles, what do they do? Well, the question that we were told, we just said that we actually have to, we have to ask them because that's their position. And I think where Matt comes is that he kind of sees the football side of things and he does all things. And he just thought, look, they could explain their position. And also, we thought because we knew Greville's interview was in place, and that was one of Greville's questions, what is the split, you know, split of roles between you and Rasmus? We thought, to be quite honest with you, what he's doing is just like pandering. He's just like dishing out the questions. So Greville's got his questions, and we didn't ask. So we didn't actually kind of go too much into that, you know, as it us. It seems that people are still slightly confused as to what the role of Rasmus is. And what I'll also say is that the one thing I do know is that for me, everyone seems to everyone keeps on blaming him for players, but from what I can gather, he ain't really that involved in players and buying players. I don't think Rasmus is. I think that's I think that's Phil's role, and, and Phil's in, very much involved in that. Maybe we'll we should do because I mean, we're kind of making it up ourselves Matt um, I don't think this is particular to Brentford I think this is a general football mystery is what is the director of football role because even when I look it up on Wikipedia Wikipedia can't make can't decide they've got it down as one figurehead or maybe they're a technical director or maybe they're a go-between or maybe they're a general manager and, and, and I think this is where football supporters we use the the phrase director of football and um, and actually you know what is the director of football at Brentford is that different to the director of football at Southampton quite possibly um, is that different when the director of football is Mark Warburton to one of the directors of football being Phil Giles I don't believe they got the same roles I'm sure they got different roles um, and I think this is a this is a you know an issue all over football and it's something that fans sort of grapple to try and you know get their heads around is what do they mean by director of football uh, it's interesting in Greville's interview that uh, Phil said that his time was devoted 100% to Brentford and Rasmus's was 50% to, to Brentford and Midtjylland. And if Rasmus, as coming back to Nick's point, director of football, is going around looking at other clubs and scouting other players, but is Rasmus looking specifically for players for Brentford or do, does he see the best players and think he'll have them? You keep saying Rasmus. Rasmus. I don't think Rasmus does this. I'm seriously. No, I'm just asking. I don't know. That's why I'm asking. But as somebody who's more on the outside, that is the general perception. Maybe the answer to this is a really dull HR one <laughs> where that Brentford Football Club actually put up his job spec on, 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 on then everyone knows um, I, I'm, I'm not trying to be facetious or dull there but you know um, I, I, I really not I, I really don't think it's healthy that people are demonized and people are made into an enemy and people and, and no one really knows I think I think we will try and get an interview with him whether we get one or not God only knows but maybe we can get some of these questions answered but I think it's a slight smokescreen I think there I think there are that, that's, it's almost like a structural it's almost like saying is Eddie Rogers or is is, is someone else on the on the direct, one of the other directors are they up to the job? Yeah, well, I, I think we, we, maybe or maybe not. But I think I think you know I think we got games of football to win now, and 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 we need to be focused on that. To be honest, we do. And then just coming back to Rasmus, from what I, again another one, and this is this is one of these things that we're not hearing from different sources, but for what I can gather is that, like I said to me, I don't think his focus is on players. Other, there's other people that's involved in that, and we'll talk about that 
that in a minute as well, like you know about the scouting system and stuff. But I think that from what I heard as well, because because Michelin had such a great academy, and apparently he was involved in like that. I think that he's kind of involved in the academy, whether or not you know they're happy with the academy or not, whether or not he's trying to fix it and stuff like that. But I, I don't know whether or not he's in academy land and seeing that. But I, I I am I can just I just you know we speak to Phil Giles quite a bit, and I know they've got a great relationship and stuff like that. They're cool. But from what I can gather, like you know it can't seem to be Phil's and his other people there and the scouts that he uses and stuff like that seem to be involved in the football. I, I never kind of hear Rasmus's name mentioned in that circle, you know, at all. And I think that he's got other jobs to do in the club. Well, I think the, the, the interesting thing is that is the reintroduction of Andy Scott into the club, which we learned about this week, which which not all of us uh, knew, knew. And what Andy Scott's role is in, in uh, the, the, the setup. And um, I probably my only other comment is, of course, is is where at least we don't have Harry Redknapp as one of our directors of football. And, and, just, and, and this is what we wanted to talk about. And then this is the other thing that we're coming on to. Talking about Andy Scott, I mean, a lot of people may not know um, because it was a, sort of a little-known secret, but Andy Scott's actually been involved in Brentford for pretty much the last year now. He was actually taken on board as a scout. So this is the ex-manager, Andy Scott. So he did a bit of scouting for us for the last year. And now, actually, he's been appointed as a full-time role as a first-team scout and scouting advisor for both Brentford and FC Michelin. So he he actually works for Smart Odds. So what he does is that he gets his information, whatever he does, and he plunks into Brentford, he plunks into Michelin, but it, Andy Scott has been part of our scouting team and he has been for the last year. It's actually quite a big story. I mean, you know, I don't, I don't think his actual role is a massively significant one. Um, I, hope, I hope he can find better players than he did when he was manager. Um, but he, he found some decent well, players, you know. Jordan Rhodes was not bad. Well, that's one. Um, Graben did pretty well as well. He did average for us. We sent him for yeah. us. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm not being funny. You can, you can only judge a player what they did for us. You can't do it in five years in the future. Um, but we had a well, maybe the, maybe our system had, wasn't right. We had a colossal turnover of very crap players under Andy. Scott, and 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 we did. We had, you know, we had, it was it was probably the probably the worst time I can remember, apart from Terry Butcher. Was was, was we had over a hundred players that he he had on the books, and I I I don't think he necessarily is is a great is a great um, judge of, of a player, but um, to have a to have a manager come back to your club, you know, can you imagine if. Uwe Rosler came back in a, in a scouting capacity or whether you have Warburton come back in a scouting capacity it's actually quite a big deal to have a manager come back in a, a very very you know well a, a, a more menial position um, yeah it'd be interesting to see you know um, how far reaching his role is um, whether I mean you know there's two there's there's always an odd two sides this isn't there is you know when you think of does a good manager make a good scout uh, you always think of Cluffy and Peter Taylor Peter Taylor brilliant scout rubbish as a manager um, I'm not saying Andy Scott's going to be a brilliant scout but it's just a thought but on the other side of things what I do remember about Andy Scott was um, at the beginning of his last season at Brentford I, from what I can remember and you know maybe the maybe there's something on, on um, the internet that will correct me but he didn't really I don't think he even wanted Sam Saunders in the squad at that point who you know who has gone on to become a Brentford legend for you know for some of his weaknesses playing at the level we're at now nevertheless you know that was um, a number of seasons ago 
below, playing a league below this one. And um, and Andy Scott, from what I can make out, didn't reckon Sam Saunders. If I remember rightly as well, I mean, the thing about it is that you know, <laughs> our theory is like get a Brentford manager in and you stick with them sort of through thick and thin. And I think that you know I'd say for the fact that you, me, you and me, Laney, and about three other people that were sitting in the Lord Nelson who we drank at the time, we were I think the last bastions of Andy Scottism. Yeah, you were. I wanted him out way before he left. Yeah, okay. All right. Right. Like months and months. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, okay, I'm just saying, but yeah, we were there sort of holding on to Andy Scottism, just hoping that he would turn it around because you looked at the days when, you know, that, that night in the Globe when it was absolutely brilliant, when we were singing our hearts off and everything like that. And you look back to those days and you sort you, you can never think that, that, that something's going to flip. I think the thing about Andy Scott is, and I think that he put his hand up, a lot of people put his hand up, we all know this as well, that what happens is that he got, uh, we call it the Superman theory, where he just thought that kryptonite, nothing's going to, nothing's going to kill him right you know he could do anything that he wanted to and the fact is that he kind of basically got a little bit arrogant and he got out his own ass and he basically lost everyone he lost the players he lost the management he lost the, the, the owner he lost everybody at that time and he never thought he was going to get sacked and when you know um Andy Mills um, um, went, went in, who was CEO at the time, and he said, sorry, sorry, mate, but, you know, you've lost your job. He was completely and utterly stunned that that had happened at the time. But from what I can gather, and this is from people completely outside, because I know people that know Andy Scott from outside, he's come around and he's just gone, I was such a dick. I was such a dick. I really fluffed it at that time, and he's changed his attitude. So the fact is that the club have actually brought him back on board, I think is actually quite interesting. I'm going to advance a little conspiracy theory. I was at Dagenham and Redbridge on the night that uh, quite clearly the players stopped playing for Andy Scott. I mean, they, 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 they mounted a protest and said, this, this is it. Did we possibly see stirrings of that on Saturday at QPR? Yes. I, 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 I don't think we were way good enough. I, I, there, there wasn't a protest by Brentford players on Saturday. They're saving it for this Saturday. <laughs> Um, I, I'm not convinced we saw a protest by Brentford players because I think that for the first um, you know, 30, 35 minutes they were somewhat in the game. Um, if, if there may be one or two individual protests, but, but not as an 11. Um, however, I think moving on to this Saturday, um, this is the game where we're playing a team that aren't local rivals or aren't in a massive relegation scrap. Um, and this is a team alongside Wolves that we really will get a feel for where the players are on this Saturday. I don't think it was a protest as such, but what... What, what the thing is that I can see is that Dean Smith is unable to get pretty much the same set of players with the exception of one or two up for a game in the way Lee Carsley was and that worries me and, and again this is a motivational thing and we talk again this is something that we did actually mention in the interview we're going to come on to the interview in a little bit in a little section but we mention it now as well because something that worried us we're not Brentford fans we're not people that are told what to do yeah we say what we did and we were actually quite hard hitting on some of our questions and we were asking the questions saying you know do we think that you know Dean lacks the motivational skill because he talked about Lee Carsley very much so Lee Carsley was one of his great skills he was able to motivate the players yes so they motivated them in a, in a very cool period of time but the flip side of that is that you know we're asking the question you know Dean Smith if he isn't able to do that then then, then we're going to be on a little bit of a struggle because what is he actually adding to the side do you remember yeah um, uh, but, but, but you know the, the whole you know Matt 
wanted to get over that he, he that he felt that the fans were too negative and you know that he, he wanted to try and get some sort of um, support back behind the players and, and behind the manager because yeah, I think he understands that how critical these these next lot of fixtures are to to the, to the plan going forward you know all, all our growth all, all the clubs plans in growing into the new stadium and and trying to trying to get themselves to a position where they challenge him for a Premier League place is all about being having a springboard in the championship it's not about going back into league one and growing again so you know it's a it's, it's about we need to get behind the team we do so listen look we're going to go and we're going to talk we're going to try and keep it quite brief we're going to talk about the interview that we did last week with Matt Benham but more from a sort of kind of broken down perspective and also looking at some of the comments that are coming from people about the interview that we did and uh, and also just giving you our thoughts of, of exactly how that was done um, from our perspective. So we're going to recall back to the interview that we had with Matthew Benham last week. Um, just to let you know, because uh, a lot of people don't know how it came about, there's lots of things about collusion and the club getting involved and sitting with us in the bedroom and working out all the questions and the answers. Absolute nonsense. We asked Matt Benham for an interview probably about eight or nine months ago, and we've been knocked back, not politely, just said, no, time's not right, time's not right, time's not right. And things were going very horribly wrong in August, uh, September. We asked, we said, desperately, please, let's do it. We can get we can get the word out there we can we can find out what's going on the club thought it wasn't quite the right time because there were so many things that weren't going at the right time at the moment now so we were a little bit gutted because we thought it'd be a great time to happen the season's gone on it's gone up it's gone down it's gone up it's gone down eventually to be quite honest with you you know asking for it and then you know Matt just turned around and said okay cool I'll give you an interview now and literally it just happened like that give you an interview now turn up tomorrow come down to my office and we'll have a little chat about it so it was very 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 short notice went down to his office sat down and, and, we, and we talked about a lot of issues we were actually only given 20 minutes because he said look my time is tight I've come out of meeting now I'm going to meet you 20 minutes we're going to talk we managed to squeeze an hour and a half out of it now anyone who's done an interview knows how difficult it is to try and squeeze them out trying to get the right questions trying to get the questions right and trying to get them into the whole scenario so that was the constraints that we had we thought that we asked some quite hard-hitting questions to be quite honest with you we were very surprised that he answered them mostly straight up told us the story he even told us some things that was probably sort of quite confidential commercially said to them you can't necessarily print that because at the end of the day it's not in the best interest of the club and me and the players that we deal with commercially but he gave us a flavor of what's going on in the foreground and in the background is that right dave yeah, it's pretty much spawn to be honest with you. And, and, and when when you you got to appreciate what he does for his living, his bread and butter job is you know putting massive bets on. And it was it was a it was a full fixture list that night. And I'm I'm sure that he had he had a fiver each way on someone. So I, I think he probably had to go and look at how how some big 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 money was going one way or the other um, and but he, he he answered pretty much everything that we told him as openly as I would expect and if people were expecting more from that you know that we, we did say we did frame the interview last week by saying it, this wasn't the definitive interview to end all interviews or there was some sort of magic wand but he was he was honest and he was open and you know I, 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 I was kind of impressed by what he said and interestingly as well I mean 
mean, we, 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 I mean, we, we're, we're talking ourselves off off microphone here about the maybe are there any parallels between Brentford and Charlton, where you know we've got an owner who's coming in. Okay, it's not a foreign owner, so does that really matter? Who's looking to try buy players from abroad and trying to buy them in cheaper, and he's also you know selling players to a certain extent. Is there is there is there a, a parallel between us? But interestingly, I've got a lot of Charlton mates, and they're completely rabid about the way their clubs own. They saw the interview that we did last week, and they were going, "Oh my God, if our owner was like this, at least communicated with the fans and told us what's going on." And I really do believe that if Charlton owner probably wasn't as so arrogant and just thought, "You lot are a bunch of wankers. Why am I talking to you? I'm not going to talk to you because you know nothing." Um, they would be in a lot better state, but the fans have revolted against their team in a massive way because the communication isn't there. And to be fair, Matt, he doesn't talk a lot, but he's, he's, he's given us as much as we asked yeah, him for. He's never going to talk a lot. We, you know, we, we have to get used to that. You know, he, he, he is what he is, and you know, we have to appreciate him for what he is. And you know, he's got his, he's got his, you know, he's got his pluses, he's got his minuses. You know, but and, and with hindsight, we can, we can sit there and you can read through it again, and you think like five days a week seven hours a month later on oh we should have done this and we should have done that but we, we did what we did and you know we, we, we dropped everything within a couple of hours of finding out we could do it and we worked pretty much 24 hours to to, to try and transcribe it and get it out there we went for an hour over an hour and a half of, of audio but it's, it's not like you know, put us on a pedestal, and you know, and um, you know, it's not like oh, look at us. But you know, um, if other people want to do another interview with him, then then, then good luck with that. You know, um, we you know we we did what we we thought we you know was necessary, and I, I think we got a lot of information out there to people. And that a lot of people well, may 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 no, not have it's, actually. It's easy, it's easy to shoot a messenger, and that's all we that's all we ever try and do. You ask the questions, and somebody answers them. Exactly, and it, there, there could be better questions. You could, someone else might have asked a better question. So the other thing is that don't forget that you sometimes ask the question. We listen back to it, and sometimes the answer is given. And the thing is that the, you know you've got a certain amount of time to put your copy down, and there isn't enough juice or there isn't enough answer in there to actually give also, the answer. you need to be realistic. You know, if anyone really expected him to go in there and rubbish everyone and and and, and cause an absolute sh- shitstorm, you know, he, he wasn't going to do that. It'd be the last interview he ever did. So you know, we, you have to you have to be you know you have to be realistic in what you expect yeah, you have to be realistic if you think that he is going to say anything about any of the players that have been signed whilst we still and the fact is we do still need them to get us out of where we are or sell them on um, he is not going to talk them down and and if people expect that then I, you know I don't know what planet they're on and that's the thing is about professionalism as well and what we thought is that we did try and probe we asked about sporting directors we spoke about players we asked all this kind of stuff but he was very professional about them we asked about Warburton we asked about uh, Marinus Dykhausen and all these people he never slated one of them not one single person was slated he, he, if anything he put it down to himself and said we've made mistakes here we made mistakes there which I thought that's quite noble because if you really wanted to you would have said he was shit and that player's shit and that manager's shit and blah 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 but he never did that at all right you know what I'm saying and this is not me like going up his arse or anything like that that's just a fact and somebody sat down there and he's talking to you man on man he's taking that time to see you and he's telling you exactly what the situation is but I think the problem with social media here now is that everyone expects to know absolutely everything at every single moment in time about everything that's happening all around the world ever and if they don't get it they think it's wrong and unfortunately that's just not realistic I think also I mean there was a lot of criticism on Twitter from 
the other side, shall we say, um, saying that, oh, you know, it's just, it's just a propaganda mouthpiece for Benham. Now, if you're Matthew Benham and you are a bit under pressure from the fans because of the way things are going, you are not going to go and give an interview to somebody who is going to be hypercritical of you. You're going to give an interview to somebody who you know is... Not on your side, but it's going to give you a fair go. Balanced as well. Yeah, a balanced view. And I think if you expect somebody to come in and be able to get, get an interview, if you're just going to go in there and say, you've done this wrong, you've done that wrong, you've done that wrong, and wanting to reveal everything, which you can't, legally and confidentially, and as we've said, without upsetting players that we still rely on, then, you know, you're pissing in the wind, aren't you? Look, look at what's published on the Charm website today, Wednesday. Interview. Oh no, no, sorry, it's not an interview. It's a statement from their owner, which uh, reads like total rubbish. And compare that with the interview that our owner gave to an independent fanzine. Case said. Well, I mean, it could, it, uh, the, uh, what, what other position is there to have? Like, apart from like, either either you're either you think Matthew Benham is 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 the right owner for your football club, or you think he's the wrong owner for your football club. There, there isn't. There, we haven't really got a lot of other choice. So you've got to work. You've got to work with and communicate best you can um, to, to get to get the dialogue and to, to, to work together to, to to all the things that Charlton fans are trying to do. So yeah, we had a lively debate about the Matt Benham interview like I said we, we try not to go into it too much so we, we've, had, we've had a lot of discussion off off microphone but the fact is that we just come down to it so we're not going to talk about this for forever and for more you know there's a lot of people some people will be happy some people won't be happy Look, at the end of the day it's very very simple we, we ask for an interview we'll be given an interview we write up a load of questions we ask the questions most of them get answered some of them may not be answered some of them confidential some of them like you know irrelevant but we move it forward and we put the questions out there and you see them 98% of the people are happy 2% of the people are not happy but that's the way it goes people are telling me actually that's probably a good percentage that 2% aren't happy and uh, that's you know so that's how it is and next time what we'll do is that listen if you're maybe got some questions that you may want to ask at the next Matthew Benham interview or an interview that we have write on our Facebook page email us in uh, on the on, on uh, if you look on our Twitter you'll see what the email address is on there besotted1992 at gmail.com or just write on our besotted website besotted.co.uk you can get us on any of those ones get in there and say these are the questions that I want to ask we'll see if we can ask them and that's all we can do because as we say besotted is a facilitator we come in people ask things you know we may not agree with you the old time but if we get the view out there and it comes back it provides great conversation pieces so Saturday we've got a game which is a big game for us because we need to win this game to get some confidence back for the team get some confidence back, back for the fans just get confidence all around and if anyone we're probably playing quite a good team to be playing because we're playing Blackburn Rovers Blackburn Rovers aren't going up they ain't going down they're right in the middle of the league kind of like us very very inconsistent very much like us as well and so uh, if anything they're probably like a Wolverhampton Wanderers in the fact that they just kind of like you know they win some games they lose some games so they've beaten teams like Middlesbrough even though some people argue that anyone could beat Middlesbrough nowadays but we wouldn't go there um, and they've beaten teams like MK Dons but then they've lost to teams like Fulham I know they've beaten Fulham actually um, but they lost to Hull so the fact is that they're away from home they're coming down to us their leading goal scorer is uh, their leading goal scorer is Marshall with six goals 
Watts got four goals, Akpem's got three goals. They've they've sold. They're the two highest goal, goal scorers in the league last season. Jordan Rhodes, and my man who went off to Palace. What was his name? Um, you know, yeah, goal scorer. Yeah, but anyway, yeah. They, they, they. So that's Blackburn. But this season now they seem to be so-so. In principle, coming out of Griffin Park, fortress Griffin Park, it should be. This should be an absolute and total three points for the bees. What are you saying? It, it should be. Uh, it, more to the point, it, it has to be. Um, we, we need to grind something out. I mean, as, as you say, you, you keyed it up that they're not prolific um, that they can be dangerous on the day but so can any team in this division but, but, but we, we have to go out there and we have to beat them they're, they're, they're not a massive threat to our, to our defenders but we, we need to we need to set ourselves up from the back and make sure we don't go a goal down if we, if we can go a goal up I reckon this is the kind of game that we can get two or three and then that's, that's the kind of performance that we need to kickstart some kind of Recovery, and, and that's all you can say at this stage. We need to, we need to kind of get some momentum going. We need to get some confidence back in this team. We've got some tough games against teams that are around us. We've got to play a lot of those teams in the relegation shakedown. We've got to play Bristol City. We've got to play MK Dons. We've got to play Huddersfield. You know, if we lose those games, and we've got to play Forest as well. We're playing a lot of teams around us. Um, so. Saturday is massive and we you know and it's not me rattling the bloody drum but we have to get behind the team and, it, and if, if they don't do it we have to we, then, then let's you know let the shit out the fan after the game but let, let's get behind this team first and foremost and then if it doesn't work out then let's ask the questions afterwards absolutely agree I've been critical of uh, other people tonight at the club um, but for the 90 minutes on Saturday we are really going to have to get behind the team because I think this is a six-point six point game for us. Um, were we not to get a positive result on Saturday, and I think we will get a positive result on Saturday, then I really, really, really will be on a rant next next Wednesday and uh, on, on the podcast. Fair enough. I just want to say there's actually probably not going to be, well, we'll talk about it afterwards, but there may not be a podcast next week. We might, we might have to have a Wednesday off, but anyway, but we hear what you're saying. However, whatever it stands, I will be st- on next Wednesday evening. I'll be in a pub on my own. I will advertise it on Twitter, and people can come and join me. Uh, either singing the praises of the Brentford team, or absolutely drowning my sorrows because I think we're, we're in danger of it. I, I'm looking forward to the the the, the, um, the the game on Saturday. I think we can win it. I think we'll knock in two goals, and I see a two nil two nil victory with a man positive getting by on our team. Ali Malali, I know that something that we've, every interval that we've had in here when we've got some drinks from the bar, you keep coming back and say, the atmosphere, the atmosphere, I want to talk about the atmosphere, I'm not happy about the atmosphere. The atmosphere, you know, for you. With a happy atmosphere. Yeah, that's right. You know, and, and, and um, that is a point of question though, you know, I mean, you sit in a different uh, end to where we sit, so you hear things differently to what we do, and uh, you think that things are a little bit rubbish at Griffin Park, don't you? I do. I, I, in, you know, I've been going to Griffin Park for ten years, and I have never known an atmosphere as awful and, as it was against Charlton. And bearing in mind that, okay, they did score after 19 seconds, but our job as fans is surely, if the team is down, to try and lift the team. And I don't think in the game against Charlton it was 
coincidence that when we were doing that minutes of applause that we scored because it lifted the team and we need to lift the team and you can't stand there on Ealing Road having not sung for 45 minutes or 50 minutes or an hour and say we'll sing on our own when the away fans have been singing for the last hour and you said sung absolutely nothing I sit in New Road nobody bloody sings in New Road I do try my son tries but it doesn't happen but we really need to get behind the team because they are down they are lacking confidence and if we sit there in silence it must permeate down to the team they must notice it there's no way they don't and we need to listen we need to resurrect resurrect hate corner all that sort of stuff really get behind them I don't care if we fluke a win we score a goal of Harley's arse as long as we win but we have got to be the 12th man in that team there's no doubt about it because it's a massive game like Nick says it's a six pointer um a few interesting points there um <laughs> I was going to say Harley's arse um <laughs> I think um, I, th- I think the but the interesting point is that in in the Wolves game well, I think we fell in a similar predicament yeah. and actually yeah. we got a fluky goal off yeah. John Swift yeah. from a you know a ball that literally bounced off him into the goal and we pro- possibly need something like that um, to get us going again on um, yeah. on Saturday um, in terms of the um, you, you know uh, in the end and, and I and I'm, I agree with Nick when he talks about 90 minutes is that for the 90 minutes we're all in this together aren't we and um, you know you can be as um, as negative about what's going on at the club or as positive about what's going on at the club and people are entitled to their own opinion but the bottom line is there's only one way we're going to get over the line and that's in the next 10 the, the 90 minutes of the next 10 games and they're the most important things for the rest of this season so we can park the rest of it for those 90 minutes it's, let's get on. Let's get the job done, and um, and just you know get behind the team. The other interesting thing, or maybe a bit dull, but actually when we played um, when we played away at Blackburn, we started Viber and Jurison together in a game, which I'm getting a lot of looks around the table, um, surprise looks around the table. I'd, we probably won't do that on Saturday, but I thought it was worth bringing up. Um, however, Jurison did get injured. Um, and that was, I think, the... Uh, that was the end, basically. Yeah, that was the end of Jurisdiction. We haven't seen him back on form since. Um, so, yeah, sorry, I'm looking at somebody else. <laughs> I just want to say, um, do we think Hogan might be on the bench? Uh, that's a little thing, actually. I should have brought it up earlier because we were going to talk about Matthew Benham's um, little uh, YouTube hint today. He hasn't done one for ages. If you look, Matt Benham has just pulled off social media quite massively. But he actually has tweeted about twice this year, and one of his tweets has come today where he's put his usual hint about something. And normally he hints a YouTube hint when there's a new player coming in. And he's, he's put this hint in, and I, it had something to do with knee, Dr. Knee or something like that. There's two thoughts about it. It can either be Loney, which could be we're bringing a Loney in. Ah. Or it could be... Hogan, who obviously had his knee done, because I think that is, I think it's, uh, I think it's quite highly likely. Or, or it could be a pony. Uh, no, actually, I don't think so. No, no, I think it's, it's highly likely that Hogan's going to be actually going to su- surprise us, or not surprise us. I think Hogan may be on the bench on Saturday, um, which is going to get everyone very, very excited. I think indeed, which is very good. If Hogan is on the bench, you might be able to look at our bench on Saturday and think there is somebody who could come off the bench and change the game, which we've not had for a long time. We've not had this season. We haven't had Stuart Dallas or anything like that. We need to be really careful here with Hogan because, um, you know, the guys, the guys played 
70, yeah, you know, 70, 60 minutes of football in the last two years. Um, I think more than that. He played, 75, he played 75 minutes of one development game and a whole of another one, I think it was. But, you know. I, mean, I mean for the first team. Um, and, um, and to pin all our hopes on him is, you know, I'll, as much as it's, um, you know, we, we're looking for hope and we're looking, but it probably isn't fair on Hogan. Not, not hope at Ken, though. You know, I'd love a, I'd love a great story, and, and if he can pull it off, then fair play. But I'm with you, Matt. I, I, I just let, let's not expect too much from him. I, I, my my perfect situation with with Scott Hogan would be for him to go uninjured for the rest of this season, have a really good pre-season next year, and be in contention for a first-team start. I, I think you know to do both these or to do the same need twice. I think you know I've I busted. My knee. I know what it's like. It, it, it is horrendous, um, and I, you know, I just, I just hope he can continue being a professional footballer. What I'm really looking forward to is that if we can get the three points, when we get the three points on Saturday, that will probably relax and calm us, and then everybody can look forward to our final home game of the season where actually we could send Fulham down. Which is, uh, which we were a marvellous thought. Well, I, I think that, I mean, we've got to keep it on up, but I just think that, you know, when us coming to the QPR game, you know, we did the QPR game and we knew coming into the QPR game that it wasn't going to be the same scenario as it was earlier this season. So let's just hold that thought for a few weeks. Let's hope that we do that. The thing I think, it's a good thought. The thing that we do need to be quite honest with you, rather than that, I think is the international break. Because the international break really helped us last year when we were in a little bit of a pickle international break came and we turned it around and I think that international break may come now and I think that hopefully that will be what we need to do we come out against Forest and Ipswich and all these other teams you know all we need is hopefully about one minute after them so which is all cool but look let's come back around the table let's get ourselves some scores to see if anyone is as hopeful as they think we will do as getting the points against Blackburn Rovers Mr Lane one all draw Two nil win. One nil high loss. One all draw. One nil to the mighty mighty TVs, which is all good. So listen. Am I, am I the most positive one here tonight? This is a real relevation. Well, you can tell by for, for a bit of for a bit of relevation, you can tell you can tell what state the liberal nicks in, mate. You know he's been drinking too much of that sugar stuff, like you know. <laughs> But listen, yeah, that's right. But listen, listen. This has been the Pride of West London podcast. Thanks for listening uh, again, again. Every week, we, we really appreciate everyone coming in. You could subscribe to us on iTunes and Audio Boom. We're getting more and more listeners each week. Last week, we got—I'll not be funny—we got a ridiculous amount of listeners, and we're talking about sort of thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands like you know we're talking about going into sort of nearly sort of like 5,000 plus listeners on the podcast last week which we think is absolutely teething tremendous as they said in the old jungle scene back in the days but look just quickly we're giving you a little bit of notes because everyone seems to like the notes that we're saying to them about away games Hull City I know it's on a Tuesday night but the dream tickets have come on we bought them yesterday only yesterday and they're an £18 return with a rail card if you've got a rail card two together rail card well worth it 18 quid return coming back the next day admittedly you can get a hotel for about 20 or 30 quid or even probably less than that if you want to if you've never been the hole go out there apparently it's pretty decent Paulie Paul UK you listen to these podcasts and he's your local hole man he'll be our local tour guide for the night but anyway Pride of West London podcast thanks for listening thanks for tuning in and also want to give a shout out to the Wheat Sheaf pub in Ealing 
Haven Lane, I think it is, around the back of Ealing Broadway Station. Absolutely wicked. They've taken care of us tonight. Wicked little boozer. Thank you very much for that. You should come down here. Nice little tucked away behind the scenes place. Blackburn are coming on Saturday. They're quaking in their boots. They've got no Jordan Rhodes. They haven't got, I remember his name now, Rudy Gustet. That's his name. He's not there anymore. They've got a load of other characters that are doing nothing up front. Rudy Gustet in the back of the net. No. So we got that. They're coming down on Saturday. They won't do nothing. Quaking in their boots. We're going to make it Fortress Griffin Park back again. Fans getting behind the team. We're getting behind the team. So as we come into that game, we're going to say just one only thing. Come on. We're going to say to the players. We're going to say to the players. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the Pro Pilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five year warranty. And with a bench full of all star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all star van center to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.